Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardawar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And today, we are going to be diving into a grab bag of news, because last week, we uh, we spent a lot of time <laughs> diving into Microsoft's whole new service lineup. Uh, we kind of chewed up all our news. I'm still <laughs> reviewing those things, uh, but we've got some cool topics. I want to talk about Dell's new XPS models, the 15 and 17. And Sherlyn's going to talk about ZocDoc becoming a mm-hmm. telehealth facilitator. And uh, I'm going to chat a bit about VR and work collaboration using VR. So that's pretty cool. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review because uh, that'll actually help us out with Apple's algorithms and all that fun stuff in the iTunes store. So I think it's safe to say, Sherlyn, that we both really like Dell's XPS line. I, in particular, Ooh. love it. How do you feel? Mama, I feel really... <laughs> mama? Ooh, mama. Mama. Humida, humida, humida. Yeah, like, ooh. <laughs> so, all right, I, I will say this. The reason I really like the this year's XPS line is mm-hmm. that whole, like, redesigned screen with the 16 by 10 aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. I still, like... Like Dell was one of the first, if not the first company to make that infinity edge display into it. They were the first. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, you know, it managed to do away with like very, very chunky bezels on the, on all sides, except for the bottom. Mm -hmm. And then when it did that, to the top bezel, it had to like for a period of time, shift the webcam down to the bottom, which is a really dumb decision, but never mind. Um, Now it's back up. They have a tiny webcam. Yeah. The webcam is back up to the top as of two years ago. Exactly, so which nice. is nice. And theirs is mm-hmm. um, Windows Hello capable too, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So um, l- l- let me say what's new here, right? Yes. So this week they announced the XPS 15 and 17. It's yes. been a while since we've had an it's XPS been nearly 17, 10 years. actually. Yeah, nearly yeah. 10 years. But these are the new models with the modern design. And I talked mm-hmm. about this when I reviewed the XPS 13. So go look up that review and uh, you know that episode where we discussed that. But the whole idea is that, yeah, the bezels, le- uh, left, right, top, and bottom, and bottom, are now shaved down. You know, it sounds kind of superfluous, but I think it makes a huge oh, difference. Because uh, by removing that bottom bezel, they basically shifted the screen so that it's almost touching 
the keyboard. These mm -hmm. computers look like they're nearly all screen, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. So yeah, they've got taller 16 by 10 displays. And it's just like really elegant. I really dig it. I think it takes looking at at least a picture to kind of get it. Because the whole idea of the Infinity Edge bezels too was that like you, mm -hmm. you feel as if the display was floating in the air sort of, right? If you open your lid. And this, but with the bottom bezel, it almost felt like, yeah, it's mostly floating. <laughs> but now it really actually does mm -hmm. look like just this big screen kind of hanging out in midair. Yeah, like, it's futuristic know. in a way that I think we've always been leading towards. And let's not forget, like after Dell gave us the Infinity Edge, Edge, literally every other PC everyone. maker, everyone did it. Everyone mm -hmm. except Apple. Apple, like slowly, they only like with the 16 inch MacBook Pro, they've sort of slimmed down their bezels. Um, Apple loves really. its bezels, you know, courage. But not really. Yeah, courage. Well, that actually has to do with like the display technology and how <laughs> Apple builds their screens. A couple of months ago, I talked about um, the history of our war on screen bezels mm -hmm. and how Dell was involved with that, specifically. On the PC side, it was a huge collaboration between Dell and Sharp. And, you know, we're seeing the the fruits of that labor this mm -hmm. year. So now we have the entire XPS line uh, running, you know, modern hardware, the new Intel 10th gen CPUs, uh, some decent GPUs on the 15 mm -hmm. and 17 inch mm -hmm. line. Um, it's just nice. Like they're really nice looking compact machines for their sizes. Do you have any any thoughts about these new ones, Sherlyn? I mean, in addition to that screen, I think it's also nice that they, like you said, there's good graphics options. They're very thin mm -hmm. and light. They're just beautiful. And it's, for me, really nice to see a 17-inch version be revived because I think there's been this... back, baby. Yeah. Back. It's back. For those of you who want, like, this, that one, I don't think it goes up to Quadro. Not Nothing as good as that. But in the 20 series mm -hmm. of the GeForce uh, RTX you, line. Up to 2060. Exactly, Max yeah. Key, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really, really nice. The 15-inch, you can go up to the 1660, I believe, um, mm -hmm. or around that, that series. And yeah, that's a lot of power. And that's what you want from a big machine. Obviously, I'm concerned about battery life with the bigger guy, the 17-inch one. But mm -hmm. uh, Dell's promising up to 25 hours on the Full HD Plus model <laughs> of the 15-inch uh, laptop. So that's a bold claim. We'll see. Mm -hmm. um, I do. I did want to ask you, though, like Dell... Del? Dell Dev, mm -hmm. Dev Dell, Dev. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was, what was like one of the challenges like preventing them from getting that bottom bezel so thin before? Like what did they manage to do now? You think that they got it down? I think a lot of it, just in talking with their engineers, a lot of it was how they implement this display technology. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. sometimes like they, they have to work with the panels that are available. Yeah. Uh, they have to deal with all sorts of like screen tech. And I think now they have, you know, first of all, they can get these 16 by 10 panels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, they can get a lot of cool tech in them because you still have Dolby Vision and yes. HDR and all that fun stuff. You know, I think it was just a matter of time mm. making it happen. And, you know, last year's XPS 13, you know, it looked good. I really liked it. I talked about the two-in-one, which is when they started moving over to this new modern design and removing mm. that bottom bezel. But even the last years, there was still a Dell logo, you know, above the keyboard. There was still right. a bit of that bezel. And it was just like, it was a thing. It was like a visual thing that kind of took away from the seamlessness of the design. So mm -hmm. anyway, I, I love where they're going. I love that they've kind of rounded out this whole new line. Mm -hmm. I don't as much love the new Area 51M. I reviewed the original one. This is the Alienware with desktop hardware. So it has a desktop CPU, has a basically a desktop mm -hmm. GPU. And the whole idea of the Area 51M was that it was supposed to be upgradable. Upgradable in the way like a desktop was. You were 
supposed to be able to upgrade the CPU and the GPU and different components down the line. We have a new model this year. None of the components are backwards compatible to last. Sad. That's sad. Yeah, the entire purpose of the Area 51M is just like thrown out the window. Now, if you bought one of last year's and you wanted to upgrade to maybe a slightly faster NVIDIA GPU from last year, You still can. That's not much of an upgrade, and it kind of defeats the whole point Mm. of buying this machine. I I don't know. I don't know. And Dell hasn't really responded to complaints about this. Yeah, why do you think they had to do that? Like, why do you think they can't make it upgradable anymore? Honestly, uh, go look at my review of the (laughs) original Area 51M. It was kind of a mess. Like, as Uh... a machine, it was really unreliable, and maybe they had to make some optimizations Mm. in terms of, like, the actual upgrading sockets and platform Mm. and whatnot. Mm. But I'll tell you, I got within like 30 minutes of opening the Area 51M last year, <laughs> a key flew off the keyboard Oof. and just like broke off. Like it, there was no way to just reattach it. So I had concerns about build quality and things mm. like that. It was not great. I was really disappointed by that machine. And just on paper, I'm once again kind of disappointed by where they're going. This is going to be available uh, in a 17-inch model, just mm-hmm. like last time. So this is a big machine. It's a big honking thing meant, uh, you know, for somebody who wants this amount of power. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't think the viability is there. This thing weighs over nine pounds. Oof. Yeah. Back when, you know, gaming laptops were huge and honking, I guess this would have been fine. Um, or for anybody who is okay, like wants to make the expandability bet and wants to pay more and live with a heavier laptop, even then, mm-hmm. I, I don't quite know if it's going to work out because Dell hasn't proven that it will support these platforms. So yeah. that's annoying. Anyway, if you're looking for, you know, gaming laptops, look at the thin and light ones, look at the ones under five pounds, and certainly look at the Asus Zephyrus G14 I reviewed mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Because that thing is a great deal and kind of like a great all-around vision of what a light gaming laptop could be today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to be as powerful as the Area 51M, but I think it's going to be a better value for a lot more people. I mean, if you're looking for desktop-level gaming you and in a laptop, I think... I don't know if that's like something that people want in a gaming industry, but it certainly sounds like a tower would get you a lot further. It's not as portable, obviously, but... yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you're either going to, for somebody who wants to buy a tower or build a tower with the highest specs, mm. uh, you could do that for yep. probably half the cost of this thing. So I just don't see the value proposition. Yeah. And to me, that's the big issue that Dell is facing. So, yeah, that's all the Dell stuff. It's all It's all very exciting. But I will tell you guys, my favorite thing whenever I see new hardware is to look at the last gen hardware and look for sales, look for refurbished mm-hmm. models, because you can get some pretty great deals. And the last batch of Dell's Alienware M series line and the last few XPS models have all been very good. So yes. go get your deals. Yeah. And and one last note, I think, on gaming laptops is that there's plenty of brands to check out in addition to uh, Asus, like Dev said. the I think MSI has a good rep. Um, yep, I just reviewed the MSI GS66. Yeah, MSI is pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah, pretty good. There's, yeah, there's there's a lot of other brands too that we're not as like up to speed on in terms of it. But you know, Gigabyte I think is a mm-hmm. good brand as well. And you know, there's just and they're also thin and light and still very mm-hmm. powerful. You don't have to force yourself to use a giant honking machine just to get that kind of power. <laughs> Man, that is so ten years ago. I don't. <laughs> 
I, I feel so sad for Dell. I need to talk with some of these folks and just yeah. see what's up and see how they've made this model. And maybe, maybe they can make a bigger commitment to expandability down the line. Well, listeners, I'm definitely interested in hearing what you think of all of Dell's new hardware. Do you want a customizable laptop? Do you think a thin and light gaming laptop would be a little better? Or do you just want to stick with your gaming desktop? Shoot us a note at podcastandgadget.com. Whatever you send us, there's a very good chance we'll read it on air. So send us your great questions. Also in news this week, ZocDoc is announcing that it's sort of becoming a telehealth facilitator. Now, ZocDoc is like a kind of a directory, in my opinion, for doctors. So you go there to look up, you know, doctors in your area. You can use it to make appointments and and find a good doctor for whatever kind of specialty you need. And it used to just kind of be that that search directory function, right? Like kind of like a Google for your medical professionals. But this mm-hmm. week, it announced that it's going to offer this thing called ZocDoc Video Service, and it's basically like an encrypted um, Zoom, right? Like a partner with Twilio, which the company mm-hmm. has partnered with before, and those are a communications platform. Uh, and it's offering this, a big deal here is that it's offering the service for free to any medical practitioner. So your doctor, if they're kind of a private practice or a smaller um, business, and they, you know, didn't want to sign on to these existing offerings for telehealth services before because of the cost. Now they have this brand new free option to use. When I first read the pitch, I'll say this. They said they were like, oh, our service is free. And I, my little brain, <laughs> my little innocent brain was like, you're uh, offering free health care to people. Uh, I got excited for a second, but it's still- we're not there yet. That would be <laughs> certainly very cool. <laughs> I I was like, oh my gosh, you're saying anyone with an internet connection can see a doctor for free? And I I just was so excited. But it's not that. It's still a big deal because telehealth obviously is like the way forward for us. Mm -hmm. ZocDoc Mm -hmm. itself told me that their online visits, like online visits make up like 30 to 40 percent of their bookings now as compared to quoting the um, founder of ZocDoc. He said essentially zero at the beginning of March, which is which is a lot. Like, that's a huge jump, and it shows that people are using it. So I don't know, Dev, like, do you think, have you taken a virtual doctor's visit since or before the pandemic started? Well, yeah, actually, I'm a big ZocDoc customer. Mm. That Mm. has been, it's been the best service for me for finding doctors when I moved to New York. Yeah. And most recently, yeah, I've I've done up some calls, not through ZocDoc, but through other services for Mm. when I've had a cold. Uh, my wife uses it for a bunch of things and our pediatrician has just sent us an email saying like, yeah, you can, uh, you can have like a virtual baby doctor visit uh, in case there are any issues. So everybody's getting into this. I think ZocDoc is in a perfect place to really take advantage of their platform because they've built up a good database of like doctors Mm -hmm. and review scores and things like that i've generally had good experience with doctors yeah i found via zocdoc uh, i had one bad dentist experience in uh in new york like when i first moved here which was like a guy that was like literally it just felt like torture like it was Ooh. not great and it was also a guy in a brownstone so like his nurse assistants would also like it's like hey we also have these rooms to rent as like <laughs> this is our airbnb oh room so fyi 
It's a very Brooklyn thing. Like you really gotta, you know. But yeah, it was not great. So yeah, Sherlyn, what what else have you heard about this platform? So last month, the company introduced this um, filter, which allows you to search for providers offering telehealth appointments on their site. So before, because when I wrote my teletherapy piece a while ago, when this all started, um, Zocdoc afterwards reached out and were like, "Oh yeah, you know," because at that point, Zocdoc didn't have a search filter specifically for video visits. And then they were like, oh, yeah, thanks for mentioning us. But, you know, we're working on this and it's going live soon. And I was Uh like, "Okay, cool. But it's not live now. Tell us. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So sorry, but I can't add it to my article when it's not available. Uh, And then they finally did. And then they uh, now have announced this thing that they're hosting their own. And I think, yeah, you're right. They're super well positioned to do this. And it's free. I mean, I think they make a big deal about it being free, but it is Mm -hmm. important. I think there's other pieces and things to consider too. Like, well, you know, anyone can use it, which is nice. You don't have to be a doctor on ZocDoc to use it. Um, and what it looks like is just like Doxy, they'll send you a like unique link to your doctor's virtual waiting room. And then when your doctor's, you know, at your appointment time, you show up, your doctor takes you into a room and you all talk mm-hmm. over video. And the... I guess like it's very similar to Doxy in that way, mm-hmm. and and you you need a special platform to do this, right? Because it's special. It has to data. be HIPAA it has compliant, to be encrypted. Yeah, it has to be HIPAA compliant. So yeah. you can't just do a Zoom chat with your doctor on Skype that's or FaceTime. That's not real. Yeah, that's not that's not. Yeah, absolutely. Like if if there were, and I don't know for sure that there are, but there might have been doctors who were. Like skirting around regulations oh, sure. by offering... I'm sure like the the very fancy like personal doctors, the one Ooh. rich people get. I'm sure they will like zoom and be on demand and like yeah. text and everything. Yeah. Uh, for us normal people, we can we can beg and plead to get some yeah. sort of remote assistance. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if, if they were you know using that before, now they have a free option. There's really no real excuse to still mm-hmm. be using the non HIPAA compliant, <laughs> non encrypted options. And I think that um you know we're moving. To towards a world where all the pandemic's making a lot of these things possible, right? I think that mm-hmm. HIPAA compliance is now, I think, more attainable for a lot of these services or, like, it's more of a priority for mm-hmm. the people who are looking at granting HIPAA compliance to things to assess yeah. these features because now there's such a great need for it. And um, also, like, the idea of HIPAA compliance has to, it's also being upgraded to yes. support these things oh, too because yeah. they didn't have a way of you know, making sure video chats are secure until recently. Yeah. 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 Like, what do you mean by like protecting my video calls? You know, like Mm -hmm. now they're like, oh, because, you know, make sure it's encrypted, make sure it's like super secure. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that this is this will leave a lot of like a a big impact on on Mm -hmm. our healthcare infrastructure moving forward. You know, we'll get to this later, but I'm working on a little bit of a bigger story around this. I'm excited to start the research for it. So I don't know. It's great. I love I've That's somehow cool. become our health reporter, which is fun. <laughs> it is. It's fun to think like, yeah, we are stepping into telehealth. What about VR telehealth? Sherlyn? VR health, dude. VR health. I don't know. I feel like we're getting there. So this week I tested out Spatial, which is a mm. VR collaboration platform. We wrote them up two years ago. And this is a company that's been doing stuff for a while, but they've mainly focused on businesses, you know, like Fortune huh. 500 companies and whatnot. <laughs> they let you take VR meetings. And previously, they were built for like HoloLens and the yeah. more expensive AR headsets. This week, they announced they're going to make their platform free. And Ooh. they're also giving you access to their virtual meetings on web browsers and on iPhone and Android. So anybody 
could be nice. in the virtual meeting. Um, and they're also opening up support to the Oculus Quest, which nice. is, you know, one of the most popular VR headsets right now. So I took a meeting. I was looking at a window, like uh, just peering into this virtual room huh. it was actually being rendered in the cloud like a cloud gaming solution and being streamed to my browser mm -hmm. so it wasn't it wasn't even hitting my pc's resources which seems cool like this is a useful feature for people with low-powered machines who may need to get into a vr you know was session. the latency good it was fine yeah it mm -hmm. felt like a video chat um mm -hmm. the actual performance it felt like 15 frames per second like the 3d didn't look that great yeah but i could still see everything i could still talk to everybody and it's pretty clear that they're going after like the the zoom-esque market yeah the world is working remotely now and zooms are fine yeah. but it's not it's not like being in a place with somebody after i tried out the web stuff i put on my Oculus quest i jumped into the room and i was like standing next to you the CEO and several executives from Spatial, and we can well, have a conversation. Was it incredibly awkward? It sounds awkward. It's a little awkward, but <gasps> I mean, so is so is like random video chats with all these companies. You know, That's I think true. any tech briefing is like a little awkward, but uh, yeah, I was able to make like a little avatar of myself. I took mm -hmm. a webcam photo and it like mapped my face onto nice. this 3D model. So when I was in VR, that's what was moving around. Like I didn't have a. I didn't have legs. I was just like a a chest and arms and head like floating around and everyone else was too. And this avatar, you know, for something that I took with just a webcam photo, it looks pretty good. It actually mapped my glasses on. It's not like a high polygon PlayStation 3 render. Maybe something like a PlayStation 2 model where you could definitely see who I am. You could make out my face. Um, is it like... You could make out my expressions, which is nice. Is it like they they printed your face onto a wrapping paper and then wrapped it Basically. around? Like, okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> Basically, um, but I, what's really cool is that Spatial's uh, CEO and their chief product officer they've had like full 3D renders mm. of their faces, so they were able to like produce much higher quality models that oh. actually look like them. So that possibility is there. Uh, I believe the lips move a little when they talk, like you get a sense of like body language. You can see how people are moving as their hands are moving. Certainly, um, yeah, we've looked at things like 3D cameras and smartphones that could map 3D spaces and objects. Mm. Uh, I could see using something like that eventually. And the cool thing is like in this virtual world, you can do all sorts of stuff. You could bring in 3D objects, you can manipulate them, you can work on them together. I think for companies that do things, especially around like pre-rendered products, and stuff like where you're looking at like the render of a book bag and the design of a book bag in virtual world you can uh pan around you can collaborate on it you can like jot down some notes yeah. about the design so it's not like being next to somebody but i do think it's very close and it's closer than just a video chat so i really enjoyed that we did one thing where we jumped into a life-size rendering of like a mobile phone store and we were able to see like, oh, the products are lined up here. We have some signage here. Mm. And then like with the hit of a button, he was able to shrink it down. So we were looking at it from above. So there's like a lot of flexibility and mm. cool new stuff you could be doing in VR. I know not everybody has VR headsets. I just think this is really cool. I would love to take more product briefings in this sort of space. I'm sure we're going to see some really cool uses of VR moving forward. Uh, I just think it's really cool that Spatial just kicked open their platform for free you know to hey, see what nice. happens 
Yeah. I, I I still think and you've you've sort of said this, which is like it's not going to completely replace in person. Um it's a nice uh-huh. substitute. I just I do think that it still sounds kind of awkward. It's not the the version of VR meetings that we we are shown in Upload, right? Upload has this like uh-huh. fully perfect, fully rendered well, yeah. fully controlled. We, we don't have photorealistic VR yet. Yeah. But maybe we'll get there. But this might be a, a first years. step towards that. Um <laughs> but you do you do you do make a good point that like collaborative work around these sort of model things that are yeah. 3d uh would be better over vr than in zoom i guess um i just you know i i, I wanted to take one of these they actually uh, another one of their reps through the qualcomm side of things reached out to me to see if <laughs> i would be interested in taking this spatial thing too and we i was can, like we can record a podcast in vr, in VR. At some point. how about that and just try not to <laughs> hit our mics with headsets but if, it's a it's a cool thing it's a very cool thing. Um, I think there's a lot of focus in VR because the thing about Zoom meetings is that yeah. it's easy to navigate to another web browser. Yes, it's yeah. easy to like ignore the person you're podcasting with, yeah. for example. Um, it's easy to just like disregard and like go off and do your own thing because it's just like one window in your multi-windowed uh, desktop. So I do think just being stuck in VR, mm-hmm. you know, being being under a headset being forced (laughs) to look at your colleagues and other people in a room uh there's a level of focus here that you don't get with Mm. just a video chat meeting so i think like yeah you could collaborate on the whiteboard together which is something you can already do in spatial Mm -hmm. you can go through slides together if we were like redesigning our website you could put up a giant image of mm-hmm. the new design and like really dive into it. So I think there's certainly benefits to being focused. And that's something we miss in the complete like telehealth world. There's so many distractions. Most people don't have like dedicated office spaces. If you had a VR headsets, even if you uh, were just in your dining room or in your living room, you would be in a new space like it actually feels like you're going somewhere else which is to me that alone is like there's a psychological benefit to that i mean so having done a little bit of research about therapy in general i mean they you know therapists design their offices very carefully right there the space has to be non-triggering there should be fewer distractions and the good thing about having that vr environment is that now when we're doing teletherapy visits from home we don't often have the time to find a mm-hmm. clutter-free space to do that or your kids in the next room screaming and oh, you can't man. Talk I could your- I could just imagine like a virtual like also it would be like in a serene like yeah. do you want to be on the beach imagine that do you yeah. want to be floating above the trees in you the could spa. do all sorts of stuff yeah I miss that a would spa. be cool but totally I will say the one thing that gets me a little slightly concerned about like being in doing therapy in VR is that like you mm-hmm. another key component of a therapist's office is tissues so like right right because right. it doesn't work it does people not work. do kind of cry in therapy <laughs> sessions and you cannot the, cry you there's cannot no cry into your goggles in vr i feel like that would be extra sad channeling tom hanks here there would is you... no crying in oh. vr <laughs> but yeah so maybe not the most intense maybe it's more a relaxation tool rather than yeah. a self-progress kind of a kind of a therapy i'll tell session. you i've definitely cried in vr just because uh <laughs> first of all those screens are very bright and my Ooh. eyes are a little light sensitive. So you tear up, you do tear yeah. up. Like when I was playing Half-Life Alex for like 12 to 20 hours, I spent 20 hours in that game. Um, mm. My eyes, like you get, you get a little sweaty, you get yes. a little teary. Yes. There's a lot of stuff happening. 
certainly these headsets need to adapt to something like this. I do think, like, I can imagine the telehealth um, with an AR headset, something like the HoloLens, where maybe your therapist is just sitting in, like, a chair in a corner of your actual room. That could be kind of interesting, too. So, yeah, there's a lot of flexibility here. Spatial is tech that works in both VR and AR. Spatial also supports Enreal's AR goggles, which are these super cool, like, they look like sunglasses, but they... Apparently, from our hands-on, Richard Light uh, viewed those at CES. They are pretty decent. Like, they give off a nice resolution. And it seems like something that could give, like, the Magic Leap 1 a run for its money. Mm. Magic Leap not making consumer stuff anymore. So we really have to look to these other companies like Enreal. And speaking of, like, next-generation products, uh, one of our managing editors, James True, over in Spain, reviewed the Neuraloop, which is a pair of wireless earbuds with mm. noise-canceling. Uh, they're really interesting. And he also looked at Neuraloop's uh, other headphones a couple years ago. They're cool because they like map your ear space and create like a custom audio design for Mm. your ears. So it's all about personalized sound. And as somebody with very strange ears who has issues with a lot of normal little headphones, I think that's really compelling. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And James seems to really like these things. And I dig them too. They are... They're not completely wireless earbuds. They're sort of the necklace design, Mm. like Apple's Beats X and some of the others. But I've talked about how much I miss that design. (laughs) There is something um, a little more convenient to those. And I want to get these. They have noise canceling. They apparently sound pretty decent. They've got a whole bunch of features. And you can even plug in, you can plug in a three and a half (sighs) millimeter jack. Apparently. Um, So they use like a unique charging cable. And in that cable is something to plug in the lining cord, which okay. I'm I'm very excited about. So these are like super flexible. These are wireless earbuds you could take on a plane and still when, whenever we're back on planes and still like plug them into the, you know, onboard entertainment system and watch a movie or something, which you can't easily do. With most other wireless earbuds, I normally walk around (laughs) in my book bag with Mm -hmm. a three and a half millimeter cable for when I'm traveling. I think some smart people also have like you could use a Bluetooth transmitter Mm -hmm. on an airplane and plug that in. But I've not had good luck with that. I'm really digging these. They look cool. They look weird and futuristic. And I think that's pretty awesome. So go check out James True's review of the Neuraloop. So this week, I'm working on, you know, more grab bag news stuff, but I'm also doing a bunch of research into telehealth and how that's all going to change moving forward. I'm interviewing a bunch of people, not only in the telehealth space like SoftDoc, but also, you know, medical professionals. So if you have thoughts on, you know, what you think might be the future, feel free to hit us up. What are you working on, Dev? I'm still uh, elbow deep, neck deep in Microsoft products. So my Surface Go review went up earlier this week. Mm -hmm. It is, um, yeah, as disappointing as we talked about in our episode last week. Uh, I scored it a 79. Not quite something I'd recommend, but it has its uses for some people. People are definitely tearing me apart in the comments, which, uh, hey, sure, whatever. That's what I always expect. It's all right. It's fun. Um, I'm currently reviewing the Surface headphones and earbuds, which I'm really digging. Uh, I did. I think I discovered an actual issue with the Surface earbuds, though, which I oh. hope uh, I hope they can actually fix. Um, so I'm somebody who really likes to 
wear one earbud when <laughs> I have wireless earbuds like this. Uh, if I'm like doing the dishes or taking care of the baby, I don't need two earbuds in, right? If I'm listening to a podcast, I just need like one. But apparently, for some reason, the Surface earbuds have some sort of connection between the actual earbuds. So if I walk too far away from the, other the case, from the mm-hmm. other bud, I start to lose reception, which is the weirdest thing. Like, even if I'm holding my phone in my hand, it starts to act like it's losing Bluetooth reception from the phone. It's wild. It's weird. completely wild uh, because modern smart earbuds don't do that. They have direct connections to the phone. Each earbud connects directly to the phone, right? Mm. In the first generation of products, like the Jabra's mm-hmm. 65T, mm-hmm. Uh, those only one bud yes. would connect to your phone. And then the other bud would kind of hop the connection yes. from that bud and kind of share it. That shouldn't be the case this yeah. like at this point in time in 2020. So I've pinged Microsoft. I really hope they can fix this with a software update because uh, they actually sent me another pair. So mm-hmm. I've I've replicated the problem like completely exactly. That is not good. I hope they can fix that. But otherwise, they sound pretty good. And the Surface <laughs> headphones too are very nice. Like they both focus on comfort in a way that I don't think a lot of other companies think about. So I'm just really I'm really digging that. And I have the Surface Book Three in as well for review and testing. And we'll see how that matches up benchmark wise. Um, I am not a fan of kind of how underpowered it is compared to a lot of other systems, but maybe there is a use that we could find for these things. Maybe. I mean, it looks nice in all the pictures that people have been posting. They certainly look nice. And the same for the Surface Go. It certainly looks nice, even if it has an underpowered CPU and not enough RAM. I will say, you said the commenters came for you last week. They Uh were, there were some very angry people (laughs) all up in my whatever channels. And they were like, look, I know you don't think people use 15-inch tablets that are underpowered, but I love my underpowered 15-inch tablet. I'm like, dude. <laughs> yeah, take... you do you, but, you know, it was, we, to we're, me, it's we're like, talking about these things broadly. Why torture yourself? Why? When there are better <laughs> options out there. You're like the person stuck in a, an abusive relationship that doesn't want to get out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, time for fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've been watching The Midnight Gospel, which is this weird new netflix show it's by pendleton ward the guy behind adventure time Mm. and it definitely has his imagination and the concept Mm. of it is pretty wild too because it's about like kind of a slacker alien dude living (laughs) in an rv who hosts a podcast and Mm. he has like this uh he has a machine to explore the multiverse and to explore like different universes and different planets Yeah, sort of. It's it's sort of like Doctor Who, if Doctor Who was just like a conversational podcast. So he will go somewhere that's having like a zombie apocalypse and he'll talk to the president who's played by uh, Dr. Drew, I believe. But he'll have he'll just say, hey, you want to interview, you know, for my podcast and amid the zombie epidemic, uh, they will have a conversation about, you know, the meaning of life and relationships. It's kind of funny. It's really funny. I think it's really deep and interesting. I think it could get a bit navel-gazy at times, and it's certainly a show that's kind of made for you to watch uh, under the influence of something, because mm-hmm. it's just wild. Uh, there, There's one episode with of, like, a planet of attacking murderous clowns. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff happening, but I really like, so like the conversations. Fun. It's fun. I think you'd really enjoy it, Sherlyn. Uh, it will probably it give you nightmares at night, <laughs> because it's... You know, it's an animated show. It really oh, taps that's into the full power of like weird animated 
art. Yeah. So I just, I love every aspect of it right now. That's my current jam. I'd recommend mm-hmm. it to anybody, especially if you like podcasts that just kind of ramble on and, you know, discuss the meaning of life and deeper things like that. <laughs> well, I am not the biggest fan of animated shows, but I will give it a check. Meanwhile, I, uh, it, I don't have an Asian foreign film to recommend this week but i do have something that's foreign uh it's the belgian tv series called into the night and Mm. it's on netflix you might have seen it trending at some point last week which is what got me to start watching it and it's incredible it's six episodes it's about these people um in an airplane trying to escape some kind of disease being caused by the sun it's incredible i i Mm. I mean the the pacing is great it's like really fast the drama unfolds really quickly there's but my favorite thing about this show so i I watched it with a friend and my favorite thing we were talking about is it makes you question what you would do in a situation like this in (laughs) such a way that i mean a lot of shows do that right but in a way that it forces you to consider your decision so and like every character in the show they present as either good or bad at the start and then you make certain decisions about their life and whether they should stay in the group or something like that in, in, as a viewer and you make judgment calls and then afterwards it shows Wait, is it you, interactive? It's not, but in your head. Like okay. it's in the okay. way the story is told. You're Because you're they also, have some interactive shows. Like there's do. more interactive stuff coming to Netflix. Yeah. They do and I'm looking forward to that. But this one, you, it really forces you to... It made me, I was like, yeah, we should ditch this girl like at the start of the, of the show and then towards the end <laughs> that girl turns out to be really useful and i'm like oh, oh crap. man i would have died if i like had not you know like <laughs> it's and everyone you know it makes you it makes you con- consider what your moral boundaries are would you forgive a rapist would you forgive a thief would you for mm-hmm. you know like it such good such a good like exercise in considering your own moral system and beliefs so check it out if i mean again just for the drama it's already very good but like if you're a deep thinker like i get they sometimes am (laughs) you might enjoy it too no comment (laughs) and that's it for our show this week everyone thank you as always for listening our theme music is by game composer dale north our outro music is by our very own managing editor terence o'brien the podcast is produced by ben elman you can find Davindra online at at Davindra on Twitter and I podcast about movies and TV at the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilm.com. If you want to shoot me some deep thoughts about morality, I'm at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Email us at podcastandengadget.com, leave us a review on iTunes, and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice, including Spotify. No, no, I'm talking about Avatar The Last Airbender movie. The, the movie. one with the kid, yeah. What is wrong with you?